Aren't you glad you're not camping this morning? <laughs> wow. Wow. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are getting ready to jump into your word. And so we just want to take a moment, just take a moment to open up our hearts and minds to hear from you. So all the background noise, Lord, that might be going on with us right now, the stuff that uh, we're busy about, the stuff that we're concerned about, the things that we have come in here with, we just want to right now just let them down, mentally let them down and say, would you speak to us so that we leave here changed because we've heard from you. Thank you that you're able to do that, Lord. I pray for you to do that powerfully for each person here and those who are watching online this morning, that they would sense your presence wherever they are at. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes a, a word or two can make all the difference. All the difference. I remember when two words changed everything for me. I mean to tell you the sun started shining brighter, you know? The colors were more vibrant. The smells were more pleasant. Things tasted better. The vibe was moving. The music was grooving, you know. And uh, man, my tolerance tripled to the entire human race. Any idea what those two words that changed all of that for me were? Any idea? Salvation. Salvation. That's a good one, but that wasn't it. That's only one word too, by the way, but that's okay. It was a good try. I do. I do. What comes before I do? Love you, love you, love you. Yeah, those are the two words. Didn't even put I in front of it, just said, love you. And like, wow, you know, it's amazing. A couple of words can change our attitude, our outlook, how we see things, our beliefs, and even give us hope. And uh, I, I just tell you, those two words for me did all of that. And today, today I want to focus on two words that are not love you, all right? They're not, but they do change everything. So we're continuing our series on changes today, and we have been looking at the lives of different individuals in the Bible and saying, look at the change that happened to them, and then how do we apply it to ourselves so that we can see what the, how those changes might impact us, take the principles for how we're going to live our life of faith. Today, we're going to look at two words and how those two words change the lives of multiple people throughout the Bible, and then we're going to see how those two words might impact you and I, and what a difference it should make for us. Now, these two words are for believers in Jesus Christ, believers in God. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe in God, they will not have the same impact on you. They're actually specifically for those kinds of people. They demonstrate God's sovereignty, God's love, God's care for us, God's greatness, and they always, every time they show up in the Bible from the beginning to the end of it, they always indicate an intervention by God in someone's life. So by now you're wondering what those two words are. And uh, he's up there right now to give me a drum roll for those two words. Yeah, can you just give the guy a break a second here? Jeez, I got him, I got him working for me here. Drum roll please, Don. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> now you may go. <laughs> oh, those two words are, but God, but God, 
but God. Thank you, Don. I appreciate it, man. Psalm 73, verse number 26, gives us a great idea of that. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's saying, the psalmist is saying, everything may fail. My heart, my health, my family, my marriage, my business, my dreams, but God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's saying God is the answer now and the answer then and the answer forever, but God. Those two words change our circumstances, but God changes our circumstances. So let's take a breeze through the Bible and look at a few people that have that, that we can see that in their lives. We'll start with Noah. Noah was a faithful man. Noah listened to God. He was obedient in the face of tremendous opposition. But he had to wonder. He had to wonder because at this point that I'm talking about in his life, uh, water covered everything. He had been adrift. He went 150 days, man, with nothing but animals and a few humans in this thing. It had to be getting tight. And he's wondering if he's ever going to get off of it. And water is over top of the top of the mountains. And, and he's in the middle of all of that. And I am certain he is starting to think to himself, what in the world is going on? Will it ever end? Will it ever end? I'm sure you start to think, man, are the supplies going to last long enough? And, and the tension is increasing and I'm starting to get concerned about it. And then all of, a sudden we, and all of a sudden we stop and think, but God, here it is, Genesis 8, verse number one. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Maybe you feel adrift, or you have at times felt completely adrift. Maybe you're wondering if your supplies and resources are about to run out. Your patience is running thin. Your perseverance is slipping away. You've wondered if God is really actually even paying attention. And you wonder how long you can stay where you're at in the situation and circumstances you are. And I want to suggest to you that you consider, but God. Because but God remembers us when we are adrift. He changes our circumstances. We need to talk to him, to trust him, to wait on him. Let's jump forward to Abraham and look at him and his wife, Sarah. They're traveling together and Abraham is afraid. He is afraid because his wife, Sarah, is very beautiful. I just had to stop for a moment so you could think, picture that. What guy wants to be afraid of the fact that his wife is beautiful? Really? What would you be afraid of that? Oh, he was afraid because he knew the territory they were going through was ruled by a guy named King, King Abimelech. And he knew King Abimelech had a habit of taking the good looking women and putting them in his harem. And so Abraham actually said to his wife, tell him you're my sister. He might take you away, but at least I won't die. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody else at least finds a humor in that. Uh, <laughs> she did it. She did it. And so it just happened. King Abimelech says, I want her. So they take her. And, and you wonder how in the world is this, this going to happen? And then all of a sudden, it looks like a disaster for Abraham, for Sarah, and for, certainly for their marriage as well. But God, but God. Genesis 20, verse number three. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man. 
because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife, but God. But God moved in unexpected, unpredictable, miraculous ways. He intervened and he rescued, in this case, Abraham and Sarah, both of them. Abimelech gave Sarah up and God turned it into good for both Sarah and Abraham like only he can because God changes our circumstances for good, for the good. People have said to me, you know, my wife just doesn't understand me. And, and, and I've had a, a wife say, you know, my husband isn't really bright. My marriage is a mess. What do I do? And there are often times when I reach a point where I say, I, I, I'm really not sure. I don't know. But God. But God. But God rescues us even when we don't deserve it. If you will both lean on him, if you will both come to him, but God. And I know this, if both don't, I know, but God, but God will still minister to you, but God will still walk with you through those circumstances because God changes our circumstances for our good and for his glory. Jacob, he had been working for his father-in-law Laban for a long time. It was not a pleasant experience. He wanted to be done with it. So he called in his two wives, who happened to be sisters. They were the true first sister wives. And, um, and he tells them, he says, listen, here's what I've got going on. Genesis chapter 3, verse 31, verse 6. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, and yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. But God, He protects us even when we don't deserve it. He just does. Did you know that in-law issues for married couples rank third in all the issues that come up right after money and sex? The next one is in-laws. I, I just have a hard time to get along. We can't seem to please either one of ours. I've heard it said, but God... But God protects us even when we don't deserve it. And he changes our circumstances for good. So we need to ask God to change you and your identity and your circumstances. I, I love the fact that God used this situation with Laban and with Jacob to change Jacob. But God, he changed Jacob and his identity from being Jacob, which meant deceiver or heel snatcher, to being Israel, which means governed by God. But God, when you come to him in those circumstances and situations, he so often delights in changing us to have a different perspective of who he is. Jacob on his deathbed was no doubt reminded of his own deceit and even that was repeated in the lives of his sons, you know, and they're gathering around him. And I think as he, he, he realized, he knew that his time was short. And, and so he actually says this in Genesis chapter 48, verse number 21, he says, behold, I die. So he knew death was going to be there. It was just about there. And it almost seems like he was regretting that. And all of a sudden hope reclaims his heart. And he adds, but God, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again into the land of your fathers. Jacob was 147 years old. His body was given out on him. He knew the time was close, and he's going to talk to his sons and bring them around him he, he, and, and tell them 
here's what I'm concerned about for you, but God. What a fantastic thing it would be, isn't it? To be able to say that to our children and our grandchildren when we are ready to depart, to be able to bring them in and say, but God will see you through. I guarantee it because I've seen it in my own life again and again and again. Go to him because God changes our circumstances for good. Jacob is a great example for us because he had all kinds of failings. He had all kinds of shortcomings and problems, but he was one that saw God's faithfulness was not dependent on him deserving it. Did you hear that, friends? God's faithfulness to us is not dependent upon you doing something to deserve God to speak to you. God's faithfulness to you is because he loves you. And when you love him, no matter how bent up you are, no matter how backwards you are, no matter how many issues you've got, God reaches out and speaks to you because he loves you and cares for you. And Jacob saw that. He saw that even though he was failing and faltering at times, that God would still be faithful to him. God would come through. God would pass that assurance on to him and he passed it on to his sons. But God is faithful even when we don't deserve it. I love that about God. Man, I claim that for myself about God. I have had a young man come to me and he said, what can I do? Or parents come to me, what do I do about my son, my daughter? They're off, they're out, they're, they're, they're not following God. I know I made mistakes in raising them. I know things didn't go well, but, but what do I do now? And I say, I, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. But God, but God, you commit to pray. You commit to love unconditionally. You commit to say, God, you know my past and you know my, what my future bears as well. I want to bring my children now to you and give them to you and say, God, would you do a work that only you can do? Show me how to be the parent that you've called me to be right now. And then you'll know that, but God, and he changes our circumstances for our good and for his glory. So Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph. So we take a look at Joseph, who is, who is by his brothers, his 11 brothers taken and thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. But God, but God moves miraculously through these horrendous circumstances in these terrible situations that Joseph finds himself. And he ultimately finds himself becoming prime minister of what was then one of the greatest empires in human history. And he ends up saving his family from starvation. You can read all about that in the book of Genesis. And I don't, if you haven't, I'd encourage you to do that because it really is an example of God's faithfulness when it can't be seen for years. But God's still there. But God is still there. And so his brothers, Joseph is now prime minister and his brothers are coming to him and they're afraid he's going to get them. They're afraid he's going to finally get vengeance that really he deserved to get. But in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15, Joseph says this, when Joseph's brothers saw that their parent was dead, their father was dead, excuse me, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And in verse number, number 19, it says this, 
But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. But God changes our circumstances for good. Everyone's against me, a young man said to me. It seems like my whole family's against me. It seems like the circumstances are against me. What do I do? And I say, I don't, I'm not totally sure of all the things you ought to do, but I know this. But God, but God is with us even when we don't know it. But God is with us even when we don't know it. How many of you recognize as you look back on your life, a time in your life that you weren't even aware of the fact that God was engaged with you, that God was protecting you, that God was moving you along in a particular path. Now you're down here and you can look backwards and you go, oh my goodness, but God, but God was with me even when I didn't know it. Anybody here have that sense or have that feeling? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel sorry for those who don't because honestly, when we have a chance to look back and I believe at the end of our lives, all of us will. And those pieces in our lives that we have questions about, that we wonder about, where was God in this? We will have an opportunity and God will show us that's where I was, but God in the middle of all of that. We need to ask him for his perspective. So Joseph lives a good life and he gets to be 110 years old. Now his dad died at 147, but for some reason Joseph knew he wasn't going to make it that far. At 110, he says the exact same thing his dad said to him and his brothers. He says, I am about to die. And he says that, we get, that's recorded in Genesis 50, verse 24. But God, he says, I am about to die. I know my time is short. I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That would be his dad. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. But God, but God will visit you. But God is faithful with our futures. He changes our circumstances for good. He's asking us, will you trust me with your life's timeline from the beginning to the end? Well, let's jump forward a little bit and go to Samson, Samson, who has killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Now, that's a job, man. That's a hard, lot of hard work. And he is thirsty. He thought he's going to die. And the Bible tells us in Judges 15, 19, but God, but God split open the hollow pit place that is at Lehi and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned and he revived. I was thinking about that. I said, Lord, what's that mean for us? Here's what I think that means. You might feel like you are dry spiritually. You come to church and you're dry. You pray and you're dry. You study the word and you're dry. You, you wonder, what am I doing wrong? What's going on? And I say, I, I, I'm not sure, but God, 
But God hears your prayers when you continue to come to him and he will revive you, perhaps as he did with Samson, in a way you least expect he might just revive you. But God will revive us and refresh us in unexpected ways. Wow, some of the ways he's done that in my life have been real shockers to me. Uh, All of a sudden, there it is. And you go, oh my goodness, Lord, now I see where you were at in those circumstances where I couldn't see you before. All of a sudden, I can see you now. We need to keep pressing into him, friends. Keep asking. Keep seeking him. Keep knocking. And he says, and then I'll answer and I'll be there. A guy named Saul was the first king of Israel. He is king, but he knows that David has actually been anointed of God to be king. And consequently, Saul wants to kill David. And he is doing everything he can to kill him. David reaches a point where he's either got to fight the king or he's got to run. And he decides to run because he doesn't want to kill the king. So I don't want to kill the one that God put in place. That's God's job, not mine. And so now he's running from King Saul. King Saul's trying to find him to kill him. And he's looking everywhere for him. It's not an easy deal. In 1 Samuel 23, verse number 14, it says, And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country, of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day. But God did not give him into his hands. It took an intervention from God to keep him out of Saul's hands. And God intervened. Saul was trying to, he was going to sin against God. He was representing the sin. He wanted to take David's life. What he was doing was completely wrong. David came to God, and but God kept David from being harmed. Made me wonder, what, what Saul, what sin in your life is trying to track you down, is after you every day? You, you won't be able to elude it on your own. But God, he can establish and strengthen you, and he can give you victory. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, get that, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. But God will strengthen and restore you. But you have to go to God to be strengthened and restored and established in him. Oh, you you say to me, oh, Cliff, but you don't understand the sin that's after me. It's a nasty sin. It's a tough one to avoid. I've fallen to that before, and I'm trying hard not to, but but, but I'm telling you, it's not an easy thing to do. And I say, yeah, I know that. I agree with that. And, And that is true. But here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But God, but God will provide a way of escape. But God will provide that in the middle of it. Just take it, friends. Pray that God will give you the courage to run from temptation. Visualize yourself staying away from the things and the circumstances and the places that tempt. God wants to change your circumstances for your good 
in his glory. Peter was preaching about Jesus, and he said this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God, but God, verse number 40, Acts 10, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. But God, listen friends, but God can raise things that are dead and give new life. Things that have, been di that have died within you, things that have died around you, God can raise them up, the things that are dead, and give new life. He's able to bring it where we need it. He changes our circumstances for good. I had someone ask me a while back, or tell me, I didn't ask me, they told me, if, they said, if God's going to judge me for the things I've done, I don't have a prayer. I said, amen, me either. And they said, what can I do? Who can I go to? And I said, well, it's not, it's not me. Uh, you can tell me, James says that we ought to confess our sins to one another, but God is the one you need to go to. You go to everyone who believes, God says, if you come to me, but God forgives our sins and he gives us eternal life. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to be your savior and your Lord. That means the one who directs you, the one who guides you, the one whose opinion you're looking for before you do things. That's what Lord means. Someone did ask me, uh, they said, if God knew we would sin and that we might even choose, that we might even choose not to accept him, why would he have made us? I thought that was a great question. That's because he loves you. Even if you choose not to follow him, even when you are not following him, he loves you. But God Paul says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God died for us while we were still sinners. Our response to that, friends, when we figure that one out is to come to him and say, Lord, I accept the price you paid for me. You paid the price for me while I was still a sinner. You paid the price for all of those sins, and you've invited me to have a relationship with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you that, that you have done enough to cover all of my sins and even Cliff's sins. Wow, that's a big deal. It's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. Lord, thank you for that. The Apostle Paul makes it really clear that without God, we are dead in our sins. If we don't say, but God, I need you here, we die in our sins. We die away from God. I love the fact that Paul, in this little verse right here, has taken the two words that we started out with when I said, man, it changed my life when I heard two words. What were they again? 
Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody was listening at the beginning. I think he just got too much into Don's drums there. Love you. And Paul takes those two words and then he ties in the other two words and says, but God, but God shows his love for us. He adds that in Ephesians 2 verse 4. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. But God loves you. But God loves you. God, who is rich in mercy, that means that we aren't getting what we deserve, who has this amazing grace toward us. That means we get the gift that he's given that we don't deserve. The gift of paying the price for our sins, that mercy and that grace becomes ours. Jesus paying the price, he will break through in your situation if you allow him. But God changes our circumstances for good. But God changes our circumstances for good. Listen, friends, um, you may be in a mess right now that is very real. The struggle ahead may be exhausting. The trial you face may be overwhelming. But the message that God wants you to get this morning is even more powerful. Do you see it? But God, but God, you may be you may be lost right now, but God will find you. You may be broken, but God will bind you. You may be hurt, but God will heal you. You may not look good enough, but God looks at the heart. You may have been ripped off, but God will restore you. You may be gossiped about, but God gives grace to hear what he says about you. He loves you. You may be mistreated, maligned, but God will show you mercy. You may be without a home, but God has prepared a place for you. You may have been wronged, but God will make it right. You may wonder where you're going, but God will lead you. You may be fearful, but God says, do not fear. You may be in a dark valley, but God will walk through it with you. You may not know where to go, but God will be a light to your path. You may not have peace, but God will give you his peace. You may feel left out, but God says he will never leave you. You may feel like you don't belong, but God calls you his adopted child. You may feel like your sin is too great, but God's grace is greater still. You may feel like you are friendless, but God calls you his friend. You may feel you have no purpose, but God calls you his witness. You may feel like it's too late, but God says his gifts are irrevocable. You may feel forgotten, but God will never forsake you. You may feel 
spiritually thirsty, but God will refresh your soul. And you may feel so sad and so sorrowful, but God will turn your sorrow into joy. But God, and he promises it. But God changes our circumstances for our good and his glory. But God, let him, let him, friends, let him into your life to intervene and make that difference, support and encourage you through everything you're going through. Now and always. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Can't do it on our own. When we try, we end up making a bigger mess of it. So we're coming to you this morning and saying, but God, but without you, we've got nothing. But God, we're hurting and we need you to, in, in, to, to make a difference in our lives. We need your strength. We need your encouragement. We need your forgiveness. And mostly we need your love because everything that you give us flows out of that. Would you help us to receive that? And then would you help us give it to others? Thank you, Lord, that you care about those things for us and that you're willing to intervene and change our circumstances for our good and your glory. We just give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we're going to enter a time of worship right now. And in that time frame, uh, there, are, there are communion elements off on this side, on my left up against the wall over there. And want to encourage you to be able to go and, and take part in communion, reminding yourself what Jesus has done, the price he's paid for to take on your sins. And, uh, and so we get a chance to remember how God has intervened in our lives in the changes he's made for us and that we might be able to do them for others. If you're online, you certainly are welcome to take communion at the same time, remembering what God's done for us, the body, his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. And, um, and we're gonna do that as we continue worshiping. And then uh, we're gonna go from this place and do exactly what Allison was talking about uh, before, which is just letting other people know about how good God is, huh? who are going through all the difficulties they are. So would you stand to receive his blessing as we continue worshiping? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you to give you his peace and his strength so that you can look at all of your circumstances and say, but God, you're right there in the middle of them. Thank you. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen, amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord.